Good morning and blessings. This is Dr. T. Tavo DRC here on the ground floor with the grassroots at peace and calm despite the mess, despite the ministry, the the need for the answers to prayer, the COVID, the nightly news, the issues going on with our government. You know what? Because of God, only the Holy Spirit and the Lord and knowing his Bible and knowing him personally ongoing, can I have giant peace, even joy, and selectively I can check out what's going on in different opinions and different things in the ministry, online, on TV, and you know, keep abreast. You don't want to stick your head in the hidey hole and be an ostrich, no earthly good, but on the other hand, there's a balance. It's my, my own personal point of view and I submit it as a you know help to many people you got to know your inner tipping point that means you got to know how much to listen how much to read how much to pray how much to do how much to seek how much to hear all the latest pay attention to the politics and then you got to know when your tipping point is reached and you've maxed out you're going to go slide down maybe into oppression, fear, anxiety, or even depression. I believe a lot of people could train this, use this thought to train young people, old people, because of suicide to prevent that. Another thing is to make a list when you feel you've gotten cares of the world, fear, cares of the world, issues, real issues, because there are real issues. You've got to go to God immediately at once and say, you know what, the devil, the enemy, the liar... The mean, angry Satan is trying to put, pull the wool over my eyes, my heart, my mind, and blind me to the goodness of God, put fear on me, dull my conscience, make me feel like I'm a sinner, that I'm missing it, or that I'm oppressed. And see if you can learn how to do some basic handy life tips. In these days, I've had plenty of practice because I've lived. God has had me take, carried me through extreme times. Plenty of times, extreme times in ministry and personal life and family life. It was never like that till I really, <laughs> you know, I moved out of my house, my family home when I grew up, which was very godly contented. I guess it's more like I was able to know what, from this point of view and disadvantage, what natural, normal, contented family life with two parents was by his grace. Nobody was perfect. Nobody was bias, nobody was racist, nobody was a millionaire or even a thousand, <laughs> ten thousand, you know, it's just like a barely, but a contented, educated and contented family that were real true believers coming down from real true believers for a couple of generations, at least maybe more. And then on my mother's side and my father's were Bible scholars, teachers. That's where this, you know, paying attention to what is really being taught, error, truth, you know, keeping open to what the Lord is doing now, but also what is the search for organic? No added human synthetic additives in ministry, in Bible teaching, in my heart, my representation of Christ, our hearts, and our ministry. So we're talking to the born-again people. Anyone else that's not is valued, respected, invited, but we're talking straightforward to the born-again Christian in leadership. So I've had a lot of encounters, a lot of experiences, and a lot of really wonderful good times. But along the way, I also met some types of Holy Spirit that were really great, really great. 
moving in the gifts, wonderful things, impartations that have affected my life, sustained my life, encouraged me to grow. Then I've also met some that were really bordering or into the occult. There's the psychic side if you're too you know, ignorant or if you're not paying close attention or you're too full of yourself, you can get over into the psychic side and start to use your prophetic gift that God has given you in an unholy way, such as peering and seerish spying. You know, back in the days of my studies, I grew up with Western European ancestry that were not back under the law whelp, Western European Levitical patriarchs. My father was a servant leader from servant leader stock to the best of my knowledge. But my mother did have a patrician side and the weak colonialism, which she later repented and recanted even from racism, slave ownership in her family. And I was with her that night at a black church in Richmond, Virginia, 40 years ago. It was a wonderful thing. But all of us have, we can't, you know, help what your ancestors did, but you can repent on their behalf and you can say, I don't want a generational tendency to come down over me. And that's a wonderful thing because of the blood of Christ. I wish our nation would get that he is our peace, who has broken down every wall of petition to make us both one. That's Ephesians 2.14. That's part of my good news message against racism, bias, prejudice, anger, generational anger. Fear, a lot of things. He is our peace. He, Jesus Christ, is our peace who's broken down every wall of partition to make us all one if we will let him. It takes two sides, all the sides doing that, even politics, to be at peace. So when I was researching, when I was encountering what I call the anti-family, anti-peaceful, very aggressive and intense, assertive and invasive whelp, which is what shaped me to really teach this boldly and strongly to not be controlled by that. It says, why do you tolerate the Jezebel spirit, Revelation 2, 18 through 29? And that is, in my opinion, I'm submitting it, a doctrine that is a controlling spirit. And it is not from the Lord because Jesus Christ didn't do that when he was alive on the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not in every born-again or white person, but it is in a lot of them that have the Old Testament law of government shepherding, and that is a Jezebel spirit that they're so fond of calling men and women, mostly women, Jezebels. Fear of their own position, power, and perks, I guess, being undermined. So we teach boldly now because we believe in carrying the cross daily, picking up our cross following the Lord no matter what. There's nothing wrong with having income, big income, small income, whatever you and the Lord feel is right in your conscience. But we take a stand against being materialistic, covetousness, proud, you know, flaunting it, lascivious wealth presentations, ostentatious show uh, in ministry especially. So I believe everybody just Get an idea of what your vision with God is of prosperity, true Bible prosperity, and let God tell you because contentment and prosperity, true inner prosperity, starts between your own two ears and your brain. It comes out your mouth if you're complaining or contented. I personally believe and choose 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. So therefore, I've been able to live like out in the car. I've been able to live in a mansion you know, not a real mansion, but a well-off house for many years. I've been able to live in higher, low estate, be with all kinds of people, 
all colors of people, all incomes of people, people without income, people with big income, and I'm not moved. I got God's grace, but I'm godly content. I don't need what they have. I'm content, but I also enjoy having good things, but I don't enjoy making that about my ministry. I enjoy it as just, oh yeah, thank you, Lord, but let's keep on doing what you want us to do, really. Let's be real. So when I was, when I was realizing that even though I had a great happy father and many respectful men in the extended family always had respect by most men, white men, black men, <laughs> I, I would, when I started into the prophetic movement, when God led me to study the body of Christ around the United States, and I ended up in the prophetic movement, which was white, that part, it was only there that I would be attacked, besieged, accused without being spoken to, without being any relationship or even invited to say what's going on with you, I would start to be targeted by their blackballing doctrine of witch watching. Are you under submission? Meaning their kind. And that's just, to me, people got to know that there are different kinds of doctrines. Ephesians 4 is a anti-legalistic doctrine that says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all. That implies all the other Christian commands are really to be, you know, submitted to, but not in a legalistic, sin-spying, Pharisee, everybody wants to know your business style. So I pulled out of that. But I did study it. I thought, now, when you get into this witch-watching, crazy-matic, not charismatic, but crazy-matic prophetic, and they start to see witches, and all women are the only Jezebels, never the men, <laughs> and they use it to control instead of to relate... And they need to be elite and need to be elevated and everyone is under them, then that is a red flag. A sign to me that there is a doctrinal errancy somewhere. Phariseeism. Why? Because Phariseeism accuses different kinds of doctrines can assess and evaluate, but they don't accuse. Good doctrine, healthy doctrine. So I began to research at the leading of the Lord the history of this movement, this doctrine. And I remember in college in 1974, I used to get New Wine Magazine, which I really enjoyed. It was good quality about charismatic renewal and new things in the Lord, Holy Spirit, Don Basham, Bill, different ones. But they were fine, and all of a sudden they started getting into shepherding. And that was when I knew it was wrong off, so I quit subscribing. And I never thought of that until the 90s when I got back into prophetic. And I was tracing, where does this doctrine come from? Where have I, what kind of people, what kind of men, what kind of females are under it that I get attacked or accused like the Ode to Whelp? I wrote the Ode to Whelp as a collective help of the fruit of the spirit of Whelp, Western European Levitical patriarchism. It's never been a dark-skinned individual African-American heritage, Hispanic, Asian heritage that has ever done this. No Baptists, no Methodists that are white. It's not an evangelical thing. It's only a charismatic or spirit-filled thing. And I realized that the main kind of whelp displays are avoidance, looking like they've seen a, a deer in the headlights backing off and not relating, fear of woman. And then there are the other kind that are more intrusive, which is the ode to whelp of... God, you know, <laughs> accusing people, blaming people for not being submitted when they've never talked to them, uh, calling people witches and gossiping and never confronting. 
So I wrote that out because it is a time for the harvest. And it's time for the unity of the body, the pleasant, sweet-smelling savor. All is at rest in the body of Christ in our nation, being a diverse community of Ephesians 4. And that is not going to help it. It is going to be against it. This turf-protecting, we are over, you are under type of mentality back under the law. So we've got to decide how to handle this. And I'm putting this out there as a selah with respect to all people. No, no agenda except for peace and to make sure that if I worship, I'm not jumped in public like I have been. I'm not accused by people who've never spoken of being in rebellion and under authority when they've never known me or asked my name like I have. And I represent the every person, the nobody, the visitor, the unseen fellowship attender who wants to please Jesus, get in with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, and yet gets backbitten for their trouble, for putting gas in the car, taking their time, and they get the emotional wear and tear of being, having that you're a sinister, projected, devil-filled person, even though you're a Christian, and they don't know what you've been through. They don't know your backstory, your business. And I do this because when I would get the jumping accusation and the worst false teaching errant abhor abhorrent fruit, ministry fruit, it was right when I was going through grief, pain, my mother dying, divorce, you name it. All the time when I was really the lowest and needed God and the Holy Spirit's help the most, God's help and his comfort was when I would go and I would get jumped. And I could talk about it, but instead I don't want to. But on behalf of many people who are so silent and unsung and unseen or bearing this burden, I wrote Ode to Whelp at the top of onlinefellowship.us for you to train, learn from, and observe, and not to be like that. The king or queen of your religious spirit. Secondly, up on the top of online fellowship is about... Ephesians 4, common doctrine, when Lord, when faith, when baptism, when God, the Father of us all, and then the contrast with many popular accepted legalisms, such as thou shalt not, you know, yet thou shalt be under a local pastor covering or not, thou shalt not wear slacks or not, and so forth, thou shalt not go to Starbucks but twice a week, not five times a week, or not, that is your business, is my opinion, that's what I submit. But it's up there as a help. Also up there is the 10 relationships, the 10 Bible relationships that will either represent the Messiah, God's son Jesus, who's described in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. He would not judge by the sight of his eyes nor make decisions based upon what he heard. He wasn't a gossip. He wouldn't allow people to tell him the evil report. He wouldn't believe it. And he would not use his perceiver peer prophetic powers to peer nosily investigate intrusively or being a voyeur he wasn't perverse messiah he was a non-gossipy holy no guile minister and we need more no guile christian ministers servant leaders right now on the earth so we look at that and there's a you know passage up there for that and it said that he would not judge or accuse so we believe in assessing, evaluating. You don't always trust people. You can't. But you can assess them and not accuse them and not to, if you have an issue, you think they're sinning, you think they're in rebellion, 
unsubmitted and it's your business, then you need to make an appointment in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Galatians 6, 1, humbly, respectfully, relationship, upfront, one-to-one confront. And that is about similar with the nation today and the sweet baby Jesus types. The sweet baby Jesus, oh no, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, but never rise up, stand up and throw a fit when the Pharisees or the demons are coming to take over your country or your or your um, temple, God's house. So I have to teach it now. People are that slow. Revelation 12, excuse me, Revelation 2, verses 18 through 29, Church of Thyatira is the instruction about relationships. There's a male pastor, the lampstand apostle of the Church of Thyatira over them, and they have allowed a female teacher to teach whose name is Jezebel. And it turns out that she teaches false teaching. She believes in fornication. She says that's okay. She says they can eat meat and, you know, things offered to idols and a lot of errant prophecy, you know, a lot, a lot of wrong teaching. So the Lord, instead of rebuking the Jezebel, as is popular in most ministry in the grassroots in this day, the Lord, if you read it closely, rebukes the head leader for being too weak and scared to stand up to her and set her down. He says, why do you tolerate her? Well, that not beside just men and women, because it does lend to stereotypes, historical histrionic stereotypes, which I'm against because now you could have female leaders and they could be weak, scared of somebody who's intimidating and not set them down. So we have to all of us rise up, human up, stand up and and always politely, respectfully confront and sometimes stand up for what's right, no matter what, not be intimidated because there are spiritual doctrines controlling personalities everywhere in ministry and real life. You have to know this principle. It's a wonderful thing. So we look at the difference in teaching. That's one thing. But if we look at historical in America, where does this, why is this in so many churches crazy-matic churches. Why, when it interferes with the representation of Jesus the Messiah, would not accuse who wanted the Holy Spirit, who is filled with all of God's spirit of counsel, might, power, spirit of wisdom, counsel, spirit of the Lord, fear of the Lord, and we're not. And then I, Lord pointed out a couple of years ago, before I moved up here, he said, a lot of people that use the law and that are critical and keep people at bay, use control and power play and all that, have a system, is because they're weak. They don't really understand Holy Spirit very deeply, and they don't have a spirit of might and power, so they use the law. They use rules, regulations to control and get people whipped into shape through fear, fear of ostrac—you know, being ostracized and different controlling, and God is shaking that, and I may be part of that. I hope I am. Because we want Jesus, little kids, mamas, single parents, grandparents, black and white, all to be equal, Hispanic, Asian, to be able to enjoy Jesus and not feel they're scared of missing the rules, the religious rules, or that they're going to be called a Jezebel just for showing up and having somebody sin spy in their direction. It's so pitiful. That's bad. That's really bad. So if I hadn't have seen it so many times in so many states, I would be quiet but years ago, the Lord said, if you come across things that are hurting people and hurting my name, my good name, more than three times, three times or more, you're to teach on it. And I do. I doctrinally assess 
I critique, but I don't criticize the person. I say what is going on in the doctrinal bathwaters. And after the USA and then a final mega metroplex of DFW, <laughs> the um, Welp Carnal Church, central capital of America, then uh, I was able to really get a full eyeful and a doctrinal viewpoint that I thought I can't be quiet anymore. I can't sit back. I've got to be up front. And also this is a controlling spirit and uh, I'm not going to be tolerated. I'm not tolerating. I'm not content being uh, dominated or are used or controlled and uh, blackballed by it. So therefore I teach it. And there are a lot of people that are not like that. So don't me say all people that are prophetic. But when they won't speak to you because you will not join their church or their ministry and they will avoid you intentionally and you're a fellow Christian believer and you're mature and you're calm and you're James 3.17 fruit, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy and always respectful and quiet. Why? That's, this is weird. You know, it's just weird. It's a wired, it's a doctrinal huge fruit in too many parts of America in the charismatic systems. So I researched, I was thinking about it many times. I thought of my dad. He was not like that. My family, the people I grew up around, I haven't really known anything until I got in this kind of prophetic crowd that come from Florida. And the ones that are more polite, they only avoid you and stare at you with a blank stare. They usually come from Missouri, the denomination up there that's mostly white. And then the ones that are more aggressive come from the panhandle, I think. So that is a very tough uh, to be in that because I am a prophet made like that in the spirit. So therefore, I am like Elijah. I can perceive or I can perceive or know because of the gift on me because I'm a prophet, a true prophet and not one with an agenda. And I hope never to have one or be biased or unforgiving. When I look at the whelp from when I first found out about shepherding, which is the same thing, overseer shepherding, got to be under somebody. Uh, I realized it came from the deep south. In my opinion, I'm submitting maybe it come from came from sharecroppers or carpetbaggers that were abused and they finally got power and a title and went to their head. Now they're abusing and accusing to keep, you know, cause they're, it's a mean spirit, that kind, not the Missouri kind as much, but I'm sure there could be, but man, this one is really mean. It can really jump you in public, accuse you, find fault. And they've never talked with you or confronted you that. And I'm a lady. I really am a real lady. And the black Christians never do that. What is wrong? It's, and the Baptists don't. I just can't get it in my mind. Why? The rationale and the horrible representation, misrepresentation of Christ. That's why I teach on it. Because there are little people everywhere, the every man, the every woman, the every human that are going through this and nobody knows. So I will not be quiet. Well, then I realized that, you know, in history, when the first Puritans came over, they brought the Western European Levitical Patriarchism Church of England. Now, I'm not putting the Puritans down, the West, but they were New England patriarchs, you know. And surely some of them had some false doctrinal quirks or maybe anti-woman misogyny because there is an anti-woman misogynistic root like Levi. I've studied Levi's misogynist chaotic roots in his family that they might have had those that did have the wealth 
spirit, false spirit, among the good ones. So they're good ones and not good ones. And so the reason I say this is because if you look at the product of the Salem witch trials, when the people that were white Christians decided using spectral evidence, that means vibes, dreams, ideas, nudgings, inner feelings, that there were certain women among them that were witches. And they used that spectral evidence, not physical evidence, not finding anything natural, but just vibes, spooky vibes, to kill and murder surely Christian, but some, you know, different kind of women in the Salem witch trials. At the same time was the, the book about the adultery, the scarlet letter written by Nathaniel Hawthorne, a fine book, a fine writer. I had to read it in, I guess, junior high school, junior, when I was a junior in high school. But I recall that it was the sin of the scarlet letter on the female. And when I look at it from this point of view, why didn't they put one on the man? The Levitical patriarch spirit only goes after the women and says it's their fault, that they're the dumb ones. And so the women dummy down if they follow in that kind of Levitical patriarch matriarch order. And I think it's similar to the Levitical patriarch in 1 Samuel, the accuser of the lone woman, Temple Eli and his brood of misogynists, users, flagrant users of women, slept with them at the door, didn't respect their them as people. And he accused Hannah, who is grieving, and called her a drunk at first before he got his senses right. Well, then you look over to the uh, history in Jesus' day of the Pharisees. When the Pharisees come and they throw the woman caught in adultery at Jesus' feet so that he they want to accuse her and stone her and get their joy juice, I guess. They get their jollies out of stoning the adulterous woman. They're so righteous. So they throw this lone woman down at Jesus' feet and Jesus, wait for him to react. So Jesus just pauses. Surely he's talking to Father God and saying, well, how do I handle this, Lord? And he doesn't say anything, but finally he does after he writes in the sand and he says, which one of you have never sinned? You cast the first stone. And surely with a group of men that size, the Pharisees, at least one or two had sinned or committed fornication or lust. So they all got it and they slunk away. But the point is, these were Levitical patriarchs, Pharisees of the day, Middle Eastern Levitical patriarchs, milk instead of whelp. But they still had the same fruit, and that means they didn't bring the man that was caught in adultery. They only wanted to kill the woman, and that's how the spirit is. The Jezebel spirit, the witch watcher spirit, crazy man at witch watching. That's why I'm speaking out, because women are called by God, too. Let's go back. It's so curious, because of the legalism and the times we live in. When I think of the many sermons and teachings and beliefs, many credible, about Paul's teaching, do not let the women speak in church. Let them keep silent. Hey, I'm for I'm pretty silent, but it's because I observe the boundaries. If it's my turn, I'll speak, but you know what? If I'm asked, I'll preach, but I don't because I am an observer of, and I'm James 3.17, easily entreated. I don't have to lead if it's not my meeting. Well, anyway, it turns out when you study the book, where it talks about Paul saying, do not let 
the women speak in the church, everyone teach your women at home. That's the key. Paul says, everyone, men, you train your women at home. That didn't mean you train all the women. The, in my, now, this is my submitted opinion. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Peter sent to the Jews. The Jews were raised and their women around the law, which is a educational form, a system of government and respecting different boundaries. So they're raised up around that and educated in it, the Torah, for instance. Well, when you get to the Gentiles that Paul was sent to, these come from all stages of life, all means, all strange things of idol worship and fornication and Baal worship, and they come from Roman government. They can come from all sorts of walks of life. So within them, the women were even slaves, some of them, and they were not educated as much or respect as much or disciplined as much as the Hebrew women that Peter was sent to. So when the women would shout out, which was the problem, it was because they had not been educated or disciplined, you know, growing up. And Paul had to set, you know, get order because time was short. And he said, men, train your wives at home. Let your, let your women be silent. But he didn't say all the women. He said your women because they were having trouble with those women. Who were their women? All right, all of your women would mean everyone in your field of authority. Was it your mother, your wife, your sister, your relative, your slave, whomever? That was really your business. So those people were told, keep your women silent. Train them at home. When you go over to... When you go over to church of Thyatira, ta-da, what do we see of all things? Here is a female teacher that's been asked and permitted to teach in a church and not be silent. The only issue is, the real issue is about this church is they chose the wrong woman. She was a dominating false teacher, one who is intimidating, a big ego, a me-centric, fierce person, prophetic person. And it was making... God's house polluted with sin, the wrong message, but it also was a test about the lampstand leader who happened to be a male back then, a patriarchal male. What would he do? Would he have fear of man, man-pleasing, fear of woman? Leader woman brings a snare just as much as fear of man in Psalm 29:25, I believe. So this was a deal, but people have escaped the knowledge that a woman they had appointed a woman in a Christian church to teach and not keep silent, except they chose the wrong woman. And her name was Jezebel. But is every female who's a leader and strong a false teacher? No. Is everyone a Jezebel that's a female? No. Is everyone a, uh, an accuser who's a male? No. Why do I say that? Because I'm giving equal opportunity uh, teaching that in the Bible, the only time the accuser is mentioned is in the garden, Genesis 3 and Revelation 12. And it's mentioned in the male gender. But do I, as a teacher or a female or a person, believe that all men are accusers? No. I don't think evil of men. I respect men. But when I get false teaching that accuses many people, I will come out after the false teaching, but not anyone personally, or name them by names. I'm not a critical spirit. I'm not into contention. <laughs>
because no one would know in that kind of group because they've never spoken with me or, you know, they, they would lower themselves, I guess. But that's okay. I'm fine. Uh, but anyway, so we have a lot of teaching that is really off and is really hurting relationships and it's really quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's really accusing, not assessing, and it is back under the law or plain old stale legalism. And that's why I'm speaking up. And I will submit it as a word from the Lord. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And it's a sila word, not a dogma word. God bless you who loves you. But you know what? The fear of the Lord, the holy fear of the Lord for everyone, black and white, old and young, male and female, people that are mixed up, people that are not mixed up. The, fe the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And don't we need true wisdom right now? But the opposite would be the lack of the fear of the Lord. The lack of the fear of the Lord is what? Craziness, weirdness, chaos. And that's what we got. Anyway, God loves you so much. Been doing this a long time. Not a novice, not a newbie. But here is a person that is trying to have realism in the midst of all this rough passage. God bless you. He loves you. This is Tavo D'Arcy signing off for now.